This is the Code Red Net Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Code Red Net Podcast. This is our second episode. I am Thrasher. I'm Chicken Man. And we are on, again, our second episode. Our first episode was on the rise and fall of the AI bot. It uh, went pretty well, I think. Yeah, we had a good discussion. Definitely. And one of the great, one of the games that came up frequently, or the series of games that came up when we were talking about AI bots, was the James Bond 007 games, which are very much a part of who we are as a website, the games that we love to play. And uh, when we talk about James Bond games and we want to do some kind of a history of them, we definitely um, can't leave out the games that came before GoldenEye. There's a lot of games that came out, like License to Kill and uh, Living Daylight. They're like some kind of Apple, Mac, PC games from from the olden times. Like basically, they invented the wheel, and then they invented an you know an Apple computer. And uh, so we've never played those. They're pretty old and way beyond our years. But there are games like James Bond Jr. for Super Nintendo and uh, 007: The Duel for Sega Genesis. Again, that we've never played. But by and large, culturally and other things, GoldenEye is where everything started. I did. I remember that was the first first person shooter that I played and back in the fourth grade. So being both, you know, first Bond game, first first person shooter, pretty important thing on my timeline. Yes, it was definitely the first first person shooter I ever played. In fact, I even remember my mom not being particularly happy with playing it. <laughs> Because it was a first-person shooter, like you were actually shooting people, so she was not happy about that. But and uh, so, what do you think made Goldeneye such a classic that everyone still talks about? Uh, it's well, definitely dated looking back, but it's definitely multiplayer was one thing. I mean, I think that's why people love first-person shooters today. For me, definitely, I'd say in the single player that you had all kinds of things to do. I mean, it was a pretty long story compared to a lot of what you see today. And there was a lot of replay value. Uh, There's all kinds of cheats to unlock, and in completing the game, you had a 007 mode where you could change the attributes of your enemies and even what kind of weapons they had. And so there was a lot of replay value in it. Yeah, for a single-player mode, there was a lot of things to do. There's a lot of things that were left in and, like, a lot of mysteries. There's websites that you can still look at to this day that are just about all the little weird, quirky things that Goldeneye has going for it. And, uh, you know, like, there's that island that's out there somewhere, like, on the dam level, that first level. There's, like, an island out there. And apparently people have been trying to get out there for years, you know, since the game came out, really. There's just, like, little stuff like that that I, I just find very fascinating, you know. And you don't see that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I was playing, well, talk about this later, but the PS2 version of Quantum of Solace, it's, it's very linear, and GoldenEye wasn't like that at all, no. really. I mean, even, even the GoldenEye for Xbox, the GoldenEye Reloaded, that's very linear as well. I mean, there's, you pretty much go in a straight line to whenever you get done. And it, it did not capture any of the of the freedom that you have in GoldenEye. GoldenEye had a lot of freedom. There wasn't a lot of mission objectives where you couldn't raise an alarm or something. If you did, it happened, and it, 
it made it tougher, but you could still go through it. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't something that you'd have to restart the level over just to keep playing. I mean, and, and when we talk about Goldeneye, do you think it was, I mean, I think it was fairly close to the film, or as, as close as it could be, and while still being a video game and still being a good video game. But do you think it, it really do you think it captured the idea of James Bond in a video game form? I really think it did. I guess it's funny. Um, I mean, with the more modern James Bond first-person shooters, it doesn't feel like Bond, but Goldeneye did. Yeah, well, it definitely had the had the gadgets and you know stuff like that, and it doesn't quite feel the same because now we're used to having like driving missions and the cars and the and all the wacky gadgets and all that stuff that happened. But it did for the time. It was very it was very different from like Doom and stuff like that. You know, like. Those are just games that you shot stuff. This one had stealth. Like, this was probably one of the first games I ever remember playing that there was any level of, like, sneaking around or anything like that. Yeah. So there was always some kind of thing James Bondy about it, even though now it doesn't quite seem like it. And I think one of the great things... Every, the thing that everyone remembers about Goldeneye was the multiplayer. And I think the reason why, like, when we talk about this next few games, that they were such a big disappointment, I think a lot of the reason was that there was no multiplayer. It's like GoldenEye set the standard, and then they went away from it for a couple of years and didn't have multiplayer, or it wasn't a first-person shooter. And the reason that was so disappointing was because GoldenEye was so good that every, we looked for everything else after that to follow in the same game. Right, and um, the next game, Tomorrow Never Dies, was so different. It was not first-person, did not have multiplayer, and took quite a bit of liberty, I think, in going away from the story. Yeah, no, it, it certainly did. And it, it was it's not a bad game. It's not like the worst game I've ever played. I've played a lot worse, but it's not very good and it's definitely not very James Bondy. <laughs> Although there you know, interestingly enough, there's um one of the levels you actually don't play as James Bond. You play as um what's her name's character from the movie the Waylon? Yeah. Yeah, you play as her in one level, which is weird. I mean, and, and again, the game's not the worst. There are some good things going for it that if you look back on the and on the history of James Bond games, you could see the kind of development it was going through. There is a fair amount of uh, variety in the missions. Like, you know, there's the shooting levels, obviously, which most of them. But then there's driving as well, and that's not the greatest either. It was very, I suppose you would say, nascent. And, you know, like that it was very early, but at least it was, you know, going in the right direction. And then there was some skiing missions, which, again, weren't in the movie, but at least there was some variety there. I appreciate that. James Bond doesn't just shoot guns, you know. Right. And then I think, I don't know, you know, like the next game that kind of came about was something that was called 007 Racing, which was just the, the driving mission from those games. But it was before, you know, like Age Under Fire and Nightfire, where they had good driving missions. So it was like their first attempt at it, and it's, a pretty miserable failure. It's pretty bad. I mean, you've never played it. That's what you've told me. And I yeah. have, and I, I really think you should just spare yourself and don't don't play it at all. It's not very good. But, I mean, it, they were trying some new things. You could tell they were trying to see what they could do with James Bond games. And right after that was Twine for PlayStation 1 and N64. And I suppose we should consider them separately because they are quite different. Let's talk about Twine for PS1 first. Um, I, again, this is not a big statement. But I think it is definitely the best Bond game for PlayStation 1 out of the three. Yeah. <laughs> Two of which are not good. Um, but I think it, in a lot of ways it has a lot of good things going for it. For one thing, uh, it has, um, and again, we didn't know this until later, but the voice actors are very good in it. 
at, at, and they're not the real actors. There's nobody. There's not really Judy Dench, and it's not really um, Pierce Brosnan, but they do sound quite a bit like them to the point where, until very recently, I didn't even know that they weren't them. You know, that they sounded so much like their real life imitators. And then I also really like. There's that one level. I talked about this in my review for the blog. But there's that level, it's called Russian Roulette. It's where you go to Zukovsky's nightclub, like in the movie, and you, you gamble, you know, to earn X amount of dollars. And that's the whole level. All you do is basically you sneak in, you go to the table, and you gamble. And I love that. I think that was such a different thing for a James Bond game to do. You know, instead of just always being a first-person shooter, it could, you could do first-person gambling as well. And, and, and you know, I kind of missed this when I was talking about Tomorrow Never Dies, but... That had uh, video clips from the PlayStation One or from the from the movie, and they were shorter. But for the time, it was pretty amazing that they had these really high quality. They're not high quality when you look at them now, like HD type stuff. But they were pretty high quality for the time to put on those little PlayStation CDs. And and Twine had even better ones. They were even longer clips from the movie. And I always I kind of appreciated that. Sometimes it'd be weird though, because you'd watch the clip from the movie at the beginning of a level. And then they'd go to the game and you'd start playing it and it would look nothing like the clips that you just saw. You know, it was kind of jarring sometimes, but I appreciate the effort on that level. But again, that's one that has no multiplayer. So the PlayStation 1, we really got dogged out with the Bond games. We had no multiplayer. And like N64, like Twine for N64 had a great multiplayer. And that's how we began our last podcast with, in, in addition to the Bond series being our first exposure to Multiplayer, it was also our first exposure to AI bots. That, you know, really made the game seem more complete. Definitely did. And it didn't seem like, you know, if you didn't have any friends over to play multiplayer, it didn't seem like there was a whole component of the game that you were missing. Yeah. And, and as far as the, the single player goes, how do you, what do you feel about the single player? Did you like it? Was it on the same level as Goldeneye or what? Yeah, it's, I feel like it was a good, good successor to Goldeneye. And a lot of people disagree, but I think it, in a lot of ways it was better than Goldeneye. I think that some of the levels were better organized, too, in, in terms of the progression of them. I think some of the levels in Goldeneye, there's a lot more levels in Goldeneye, but there's some really bad levels in Goldeneye. I'm trying to remember. There's one that I absolutely hate, and I, every time I play it, I get mad. But I can't remember. It's, it's one where you're out in the snow. It's like the first one where you go out to Severnaya, right? I did not. I do not like that level, but <laughs> I don't know why. I just don't like it. But I think Twine had better level design overall. It had better um, ways of incorporating the story of the movie and the cinematic kind of, you know, not cinematic like like uh, movies, but the story just came out a lot better in the in the in the game rather than just getting it from mission briefings like you do in Goldeneye. And I think in Goldeneye, when you ran across characters that talked, it was just that little line of text on the top that would that's what they were saying, right? It was a lot more dynamic. It was a lot more like the movie. You know, it was getting better. Um, and then, you know, we go from Twine, and then we go to the PlayStation 2. Twine was kind of near the end of the N64, I suppose. And then Agent Under Fire was the first Bond game for PS2, which was originally actually supposed to be a version of Twine for PlayStation 2. And instead you got Agent Under Fire, which was a, one was one of the first Bond games with a with an original story. In fact, I think it's the first one with a, with a wholly original story, rather than, like, 007 Racing had a story, but it was so, you know, mission briefing, reading sort of thing, that it wasn't really that dynamic. Agent Under Fire actually had, it felt like a movie, 
It felt like one of the James Bond movies. And as far as Agent Under Fire goes, that was the first Bond game I ever owned. And I I played it, you know, um, I played it a lot. I played it a lot when I first got it because it was like the only game I had for my PS2, so we played a lot of it. I could beat it with my eyes closed, I'm sure. But um, I thought it was pretty good. It's not that great. It's kind of a step in the right direction, though, that they have these driving missions that are actually really, really fun. Um, it's the, the story and the single player are really cheesy, like the voice acting and and so on. But in a way, that's kind of fun to me. I, I like cheesy, stupid things sometimes. I don't know. What do you think about Agent Under Fire? Like you said, it's a step in the right direction. Seem to take Bond into you know the next generation platform, right. and it did have a multiplayer that was fun to play, and you know a cornerstone of the Bond franchise. Yeah, it brought to the Sony consoles some kind of uh, the multiplayer support that we always been so envious of the, of the Nintendo people. <laughs> we were always very mad about that. And you still had to remain a little envious of the Nintendo people since they had bots. Yes, that's very true. Age of Fire on PS2 did not have bots. We talked about this on the last podcast, where the Xbox and GameCube versions have bots. And again, I bought Age of Fire for GameCube for like $4, and I played on my Wii, and it's a lot of fun to play that game with bots, because it's just so wacky, and it's unlike any other James Bond game, I think, out there. Like, it's, it's the most absurd multiplayer you'll ever play, and the low gravity, and then you play those levels where, you know, you can only do the low gravity really on the open air levels so you can jump high, right, with the jetpacks and the cue claws. And so there's like the courtyard levels where you, everyone's just jumping around like Crouching Tiger, hitting Dragon, and shooting rockets. And then you've got like these Spider-Man cue claws, and you, it's just the weirdest thing. And it's so much fun. But, you know, I wish they would have had that on PS2. That would have been nice. Um so, but I mean, again, the shooting though, like in that in the single player game and the weapons, the shooting always seemed a bit off to me. I mean, didn't it to you too? Yeah, it was difficult to. I mean, using automatic weapons was really difficult. Could not hold that gun steady. Yeah. And made it hard to hit things, and so it just felt like a really weird experience where you get shot and it just you get kind of rocked. Really, and and you know, not much health would be gone. <laughs> it just felt a little off. It's it's very. I always think of it. It seems to me very arcadey. Like if there was ever a James Bond arcade game, that would be it. Yeah. I could see it. As some, I could see it as like a giant arcade unit. You know, <laughs> and you play it. This seems like that to me because it's very actiony. It's very. The levels are very short. You know, like it just seems like an arcade game. But, uh, you know, they went from that game, and then the next game was Nightfire, which, I, as you know, as you said, and I, I agree, I think that's probably the best one on PS2. The first-person shooter, James Bond. I think that's definitely the best it ever... That's the best it's gotten, I think. Again, the best of three. Yes, the best of three. <laughs> and we'll get to that awful third one later, but it was made by the same people who made... Quine, so all those problems we had with Agent Under Fire, like the shooting that we mentioned, like the automatic weapons and stuff, it didn't feel quite as, it felt more like Quine, it felt more in control. Like, Agent Under Fire always seemed very slippery to me. Mm-hmm. It felt like you were, like, on ice sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're trying to shoot an automatic weapon on ice, it's not going to probably go very long. So when you're running forward and skating, it, it doesn't work, right? So I think Nightfire, it felt better. It, it, everything was real fine-tuned and it worked really well. Precise. Uh, yeah. 
And one of my favorite things about Nightfire in the single player was that right after the game loaded, you automatically went into like that pre-credit pre-credit sequence that James Bond movies do, you know, before the credits roll. It just mm-hmm. drops you in an action level. And Nightfire did that, and I'd never. And it's like the first time you play it, you basically just get to push buttons when they tell you to. And I, but I like that though. It kind of like it, it slowly brings you into the game, and then they hit the that awful music video thing. <laughs> but I don't. It's, it's easy to but and and then you go to the game and you can play the game proper, and you can go back and even play that level with more control that time the next time you play it. And the I mean, and we talked about the. The story is pretty recycled. I mean, it's an original story again, and it's much better told than Age Under Fire was, but it's very much Moonraker. It's basically Moonraker. But, again, you know, when we talk about the games, when we talk about Twine, the PlayStation 1, having that gambling level, and it kind of gives some variety to it, I think Nightfire had a lot of variety to it in what you did. And I particularly like that first level where you sneak into the castle. It's called The Exchange. And it's my favorite mission from any James Bond game because you start out, you know, you, you parachute in and then you sneak into the castle. And you can do it in multiple ways, which I thought was great. And they kind of promised that you'd be able to do that the rest of the game, but it really wasn't the case. But you could go, you know, around the building or you can go through the truck or whatever. You can get in in a number of ways. And then you sneak in and then you're at a party, so you kind of mingle for a little bit. And then you got to escape and rescue somebody and get off on that gondola and shoot that plane down with rockets. Like, there's a lot of different things going on in that level. So it's pretty dynamic. And that's, that's why I love it. And then, you know, even later in the game, there's, you know, you do helicopters and you drive cars and you drive tanks. Felt like a, a quite a bond experience. Yes, it did. And then the multiplayer, again, felt very similar to Twine. Had box, so we loved it. Yeah, great game. Great game, and the the bots were very customizable as we went over in the last podcast. And it had it's my favorite multiplayer level. I love Skyrail. Skyrail's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and one of the, you know one of the nitpicky things I don't like about Nightfire is that they have classic Bond villains as bots, or you can play as them too. But in a lot of cases they don't really look like the the James Bond villains. They look ah. somehow. Yeah, it was the same problem in Twine. Yeah. The multiplayer, the models did not look like the actual actors at all. No. I don't know if that's a rights issue, or, but they weren't close a lot of the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was a rights issue, because like even like in a game as awful as GoldenEye Rogue Agent, like they look like the... That game's not very good, but Goldfinger looked like Goldfinger in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, in... In Nightfire, he didn't look anything like that. I did find some of it quite silly. I mean, the, everybody's hands look the same when, as you were playing the game. Yes, unless you play as a, as you played as a girl in the game, and then you'd have like red fingernail polish. No, nope, that's the only difference. Yeah, that's the only difference. You could throw odd jobs hat. That was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I do like that. Um, so, you know, Nightfire was great. One of the things that I think we should talk about too with Nightfire and Agent of Fire is they have those. Bond moment, pretty much the first time that that had ever happened in any of these games. And so I think that when they describe them like in the manual or whatever, they would say it was things only James Bond would think of. Which sometimes would be really cool and sometimes would be kind of lame, like you'd shoot the barrel next to a bunch of guys and they'd blow up. Apparently that's something James Bond would think of, but 
Good for him. Yeah, apparently, you know, I would think of it too if it was marked like "Do not shoot" and had X's on it. <laughs> I mean, that's their fault for standing so close to it. But some of them were cool, though. I mean, some of the things you know involved more complicated ideas, and like driving the driving the Aston Martin on two wheels between two cars, like that's very James Bond. Yeah, thinking of Timothy Dalton being in that truck on two wheels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's a very James Bond thing, and then you get points for doing that if you could find them. So in some sense, there was replayability built into that, so you could go look for these Bond moments. Right, and that was a transition from the N64 games, at least, to unlock things. They were all done through time cheats, and they made the transition to doing it through things like Bond moments where you have a score, and it would depend on things like accuracy, unarmed takedowns, and Bond moments, and Collecting the seven icons. Yes, and that again, you can. It makes the re, you can replay the levels more then because then you can go back and try to get a better score. And then when you get a better score, you get a different medal. You get bronze, gold, or silver, and gold. So then you can unlock multiplayer characters or maps or whatever. So there's some reason to go back and play not only the multiplayer but also the single player again too. And it's great though that we can go from Nightfire, which is a great game, to an even better game. Surprisingly enough. In everything or nothing, which is one of our personal favorites. Absolutely. You have it on you have it on your list. I know that. Mm-hmm. Your top ten games. I have it on my list. We gave it a couple awards, if you recall. Right. We gave it best co-op multiplayer and best James Bond game, which I guess sums up what we feel about it. Is I think the get the best and the only game that ever truly like, got what James Bond was and put it in a video game form. Right. I mean, there's so many more things you can do in third person that aren't available to you in first person. That, that, that has something to do with it. I mean, I think it was the first Bond game, too, all that I played. I don't know about before 1997, but it incorporated the the martial arts of James Bond, which I thought was pretty cool. And they really did a great job at showing, like, you know, how the fights are so brutal and and, and interactive, too. Like, you can grab bottles and smash people over the head with them. You can... Oh, that's, yeah, one of the things I love about Bond, especially that, that scene in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, where he's getting beat up by these guys in the soundproof room, and right. he just grabs whatever's available to him and starts hitting them with it. Right, I mean, that's how James Bond fights. He's kind of a dirty fighter. I mean, he grabs stuff. He's very situational, so, it, you know, it, it, and... and Everything or nothing has it. So if you grab somebody and you're near a desk, you'll grab him and smash his head into the desk. Yeah. Which I think Yeah, exactly. That's that's the kind of stuff that I love. So that was probably the my favorite part of that game that captured what James Bond was. Like that symbolizes it right there. That's the way that they got and they got everything else. And and the game's got, if you think about it, an amazing cast of people there. I mean it's got it's got Pierce Brosnan's voice and, you know, his face. Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. It's got Judy Dench is in there and like um, R. What's his name? Uh, John Cleese. John Cleese is there. Heidi Klum. Heidi Klum is in that game. Maya. Whatever she, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And Jaws is in there too. Yeah. How he plays Jaws is even in that game. It's, it's just a A-list cast. A great cast. And they all do good work. I mean, it's kind of a cheesy nuclear story but it works really well, and I think it definitely gets the James Bond movie feel down better than any other game, before or since. Yeah, and it did have driving missions with the motorcycles. That was a lot of fun. 
motorcycle. It had a lot of, you piloted a lot of different vehicles, and they were all kind of different. Like, the motorcycles handled way different than the cars did. I know there was one level where you have to race. You don't even have to, I mean, it's like you're driving, but you were in a race, right? I mean, it was like a yeah. car race or something. And yeah, it was like a rally car. Yeah, it was like a rally car, that's right. And then you raced, and then there was, um, you piloted helicopters, which handled way differently than everything else. It was, it's quite varied, and that's one of the things that I love about it. It's just so, it's so different, I and mean, everything's way different. You even do yeah. skydiving, which is cool. Yeah. Skydiving and the rappelling. Rappelling classroom. It's a pretty complete game, that's it. It's a great game. And and the co op is something we, we would be remiss without mentioning. Oh, absolutely. Co op is so great in that game. Um we we played it. I think we beat it for the most part. Yeah. Um yeah. It's really I mean it's a really deep co op game. You need to work together on it. And because your lives are the same, you have the same pool of lives, so you can't lose all. You got to work together. Um, it really was like it's probably still my favorite cult, and it's completely. I mean, it's not like you just play the single player with another person. It's a completely different set of levels, and that are specifically made for co-op. So there's a lot of interacting. Another thing was that the stealth was. I mean, it could be. Uh, it was challenging, but it wasn't tiresome. No. It was fun. Yes, and the single player lasts. I mean. We've had that game came out like in 2004, and I just finally got 100% on it last year. Mm. So it, it, it's quite deep. It can be a little bit difficult trying to get some of those platinum awards and stuff, but it's very, very good game. Probably one of my all-time favorites. Why after that to go to GoldenEye Rogue? That's that's exactly the same. I was going to express some dismay that they went from such a high to what I think is probably maybe tie with 007 Racing as the low of all time for James Bond games. I can't imagine that there's any other James Bond game that's that's worse than GoldenEye Rogue Agent. You're not, you don't even play as Bond. That seems I mean, like they're just trying to capitalize off the title. Exactly. That's, first of all, that's Cardinal Sin number one. Is You're not playing as... nobody. I mean, you want to play as James Bond. That's the whole appeal, right? I mean, why would you want to play as somebody else? Whoever the guy was and go... And that, yeah, and again, you know, they're just trying to sell it off the name Goldeneye. So they come up with that idiotic, contrived story about him losing an eye or something and getting a golden eye with enhancements or something. Yeah. Really asinine. I, yeah, I know. And then it was like Golden, it was Goldfinger against Dr. No or something. They were like mad at each other or something. I can't, I, it's, it was, it just hurts me to even try to think of it, but. Okay, so if we can move beyond just, dumb story and the fact that you're not James Bond. Right. How did you feel about the gameplay itself? It was there were some cool ideas like you know like um, you could dual wield guns but you could mat, mix and match them. There's yeah. Different. I thought that was kind of neat. It was kind of a cool idea. But again, you know, like I'm, you know, when I say that's good, it's like me really searching to find some redeemable. Like I'm really trying hard. Like I wouldn't, keep, I wouldn't want to buy the game because you could do a wheel of different weapons. That's not very appealing to me. But it is not cool. And Your the game all had special powers. Yeah, and it, yeah, you had special powers. I don't really remember what they did and what they were. But and and it, the game got extremely repetitive. Because all you just wander around and shoot stuff. I mean, there was no... There, and again, we talked about variety a lot with these last couple games. There's no variety. There's no weapons. There's no, I mean, there's weapons, but there's no vehicles. 
there's nothing else you can do but run around and shoot people, not even stealthily. It's all straight ahead. The one I will say this about it, though, that if you've played the multiplayer, I don't know if you have or not, the multiplayer isn't too bad. because, And I, I say this because they have some really cool maps for the multiplayer game. Some stuff you had never seen. Like, they have a map of Scaramanga's hideout. And, you know, you've seen Go- Man with the Golden Gun, like his little his little hideout place with the mirrors and yeah. stuff. They have that, and it's almost exactly the same. And it's really cool. That actually is pretty cool. But, I mean, if that's the best thing about your game, then you got a problem, you know. So it was a really big disappointment to go from everything or nothing to something as as bad as GoldenEye Rogue. But it seemed like they tried to follow up on everything or nothing after... Yeah, I don't know what was going on with Rogue Agent, but it was like a detour, but they got right, they got, for the most part, right back on the road with, from Russia with Love, which is very similar to Everything or Nothing. And with the third person, over this time with Connery, Yeah. which, it it was a little funny, because they actually got Sean Connery, well, of course you have to get Sean Connery's voice, but it's old Sean Connery's voice, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it, it looks like Sean Connery, and it's Sean Connery now as opposed to four years ago. And so it sounds a little funny, because he's so much older. But And you think they could have found somebody who could imitate his younger voice. I mean, everyone kind of tries to do it. I, no, I, I feel like, I think people wouldn't like that. I feel like you have to get Connery to do Connery's voice. Yeah, no. That's, it's still funny, though. It's very, it is very funny, and it, it adds something to it. I'd be like it. And I like the retro feel of it. I think we'll mm-hmm. talk about this in a little bit with 007 Legends, but I like how it's very still the 1960s. You know, it's not the same. It's not like trying to update it for Pierce Brosnan or something. It's it's Sean Connery. It's from Russia with Love from then. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, well, I like the feel of it. Yeah, and and even like the weapons and the gadgets are still old. You know, you get those old little like watch lasers and and uh, his grappling hook is hilarious. You know, just yeah, that I almost I, it made me miss the rappel gun. It did. It worked kind of the same, but you could definitely tell it wasn't. Yeah, a grapple hook. I mean, a grapple hook's pretty cool, but it just doesn't seem James Bond enough. Oh, right. Because in everything and nothing, you could just run and jump, and you rappel. Hmm. You know, yeah. go right out. So run off and edge a cliff. Right, and then that one, you have to like press the button, and then he pulls it out of his pocket, and he winds it up and, like, gets ready to throw it, throws it, and it hooks in, and then you got to climb up. And it takes a while, you know. You want to do it when someone's trying to shoot at you, but you'll be killed. But, but it's a good, I mean, it's a pretty good game. It, overall, it has its, it's not, it seems a little looser than everything and nothing. Yeah. It's just something about it. It's not quite the same, but you can't do hand-to-hand combat. That's a big thing. It's, it's different when... Your melee button's the same as the shoot button. Yeah. It's, it just doesn't feel the same. I mean, it's one of the things I love about everything or nothing is if you're with a bunch of guys, like, oh, I'll just ditch my gun. I don't need it. This, you like, doing pistol whips. I mean, he did, he'd still do some different moves, like some different right. judo moves, but it felt more like you hit a button and watched a cutscene instead of you felt like you were doing it. Yeah, and you brought this up, in, I think, in your review on the blog, but like you can change your outfit, which is kind of cool. That's one of the best parts of the game. Well, wear a white tuxedo everywhere. You know? Yeah, you can wear the white tuxedo, or you can put on that uh, ridiculous stealth uniform. It's wearing all black, you know. I like that. That's really cool. One of the things I also really liked, uh, very specifically about it, was like when you get your mission briefing, like you're actually in MI6, 
And so, like, you go mm-hmm. to M's office, like, you go up and you get buzzed in by Money Penny, and you actually go in his old office, and then you get done, and then you go downstairs, and you, like, meet Q, and he shows you all the gadgets and stuff. I thought that mm-hmm. was cool. I thought it was well done. Yeah. The more mundane James Bond yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, that stuff was really cool. Um, there was no bots in multiplayer. Again, we brought this up in the last podcast, but, I mean, you said you played the multiplayer for, for Much With Love, right? Yes, and, you know, well, I know we didn't talk much about the multiplayer and the, uh, everything or nothing. This was an improvement on it, yet it feels a little incomplete, actually. Yeah. And I don't, maybe I didn't have the complete version, because it seems like that was a trend to have unlockable features for multiplayer. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm certain if I didn't have those, but all I had available to me were pretty much three different game modes. I mean, your basic deathmatch. They had a demolition where you find a bomb and plant it on the other team's base, which could have been a lot better as I was playing it. They had silly things that you couldn't change, like as soon as you picked up the bomb, I don't know if it's radioactive or something, but you, your lifespan goes down as you carry this bomb. So it's difficult to just even pick up the bomb and carry it all the way to the other team's base and not die. Right. I mean, you, you drop it, you, after you die, you drop it where it is. So it's kind of like a football match or a rugby match where you carry the bomb and then you get tackled and, you know, you're fighting for territory, kind of. And then you have to hold the button and plant the bomb for, like, ten seconds it takes to do that. So it's difficult. Even if you didn't have people shooting at you, you just survived to plant this bomb. So I found that kind of silly. Right. And it was just it was just you and one other person? Yeah, you definitely need to get the multi-tap to really enjoy the multiplayer here. And it it's actually it feels like it could be pretty good. Yeah. Because it does seem like... Well, you just auto-aim at people. How's that going to be difficult, you know, like, to sh- just shoot at each other? But what was interesting, if you're aiming at someone else and they do the roll, just a roll, it kind of kicks the aim off that person, so you have to re-aim and reassess. So it seemed like it could be a fun multiplayer mode. Um, that sounds good. The third mode was called Dogfight, and that's where everybody was just in jetpack. <laughs> And, you know, it seemed like it could be fun if, you know, a little, you know, kind of skimpy. Yeah. But also some of the other problems, trying out the weapon modes, it didn't seem like, even if you picked the different weapons, there wasn't really a big variety. I mean, no. if you pick the default, there'd still be your PP7 everywhere to pick up. It's rare that you find a variety of weapons. You pick the long range, it seems like. You start out with a rocket launcher, and... You couldn't find much except for a rocket launcher. Right. And so that was a problem with the weapons. And for some reason they didn't, I don't know if I had something turned off, but there wasn't any music when I was playing the multiplayer. Really? I was doing something wrong. Well, and I think for me, the I think From Russia With Love was the last good Bond game, like really good one. Yeah. I mean, and then that's why when we go to Quantum of Solace, which is the first one for, like, the next generation, which is Xbox 316, PS3, and Wii, uh, I think, I don't know, Quantum of Solace, it was such a weird game to me. It, it was, again, we missed over, we skipped over Casino Royale. So you had Quantum of Solace, 
with Casino Royale sandwiched in between. And it was an odd mix. You know, it, they didn't blend together very well. I remember playing it and being confused by it because you start out kind of near the end of, or the beginning of Quantum of Solace, and then you skip way ahead and you're kind of near the end of it. And then there's a flashback and all of a sudden you're in the middle of, of Casino Royale. And you play through that, and then you go back to the end of Quantum of Solace, and you finish that. And it was a very odd way of doing it, and it wasn't very well indicated. Like, I couldn't tell when the flashback started that I was in Casino Royale. If I wouldn't have seen Casino Royale, I would have had no idea where I was. Yeah, it, w- it was a pretty goofy way of doing the story. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the gameplay itself was, you know, nothing very special. It was um, very like Call of Duty. It's pretty much the exact same kind of Call of Duty, except for when you duck behind cover. Then you're in, like, a, you go to third person, and you can kind of see around you, and then you can jump out and shoot somebody, and I'll jump back to first person. I also wanted to mention, well, I only played the PS2 version, which kind of felt like an afterthought, really. Um, but like you were talking about with um, both Nightfire and Everything or Nothing, and even from Russia with Love, is how when you start the game, it's pretty engaging. I mean, it seems like how a Bond movie starts, where there's kind of that short scene of action, and then you go to the opening movie music video thing, and Quantum Souls wasn't like that. I mean, you don't want to start out a game where you, have, you learn the controls, like, oh, do this to crouch. Right. Oh, do this to aim. Right. Take that later, that's why I think um, that's why I think uh, Nightfire had the best example of that because you do kind of learn the controls in that first little when you turn the game on, you know it'll go right to that first level, which is, I think is in Paris, right? You learn the controls, but at the same time it's still exciting and cinematic, so it's like an opening movie, but you can play along with it. So you learn the basic controls, and then in the next level you pick up the rest. But it's it's an easier curve into learning the game rather than just having you do a training mission, and what should it be the beginning of the movie, which is like a frantic chase. Instead, you're taking your time and, like, learning how to control everything. It doesn't seem right. Yeah, a minor quibble, but this seems like... It's weird the last two Bond movies straying away from that, you know, like... Right. That kind of sequencing. Yeah, and I think think the games reflect that, too. I mean, they're trying to be like the movies, so they're, they're kind of straying away from the the gadgets and the kind of humor and stuff that, that the other Bond movies had, and they're more serious. And they're more physical, too. I mean, Daniel Craig's pretty brutal in those movies. I mean, he gets beat up a lot, and he beats up a lot of people in a way that none of the other Bond movies do. Yeah, it's kind of funny, like, watching some of the fight scenes with Sean Connery. Yeah, and it might be pretty funny. So I'm all right with that change. That that seems all right. I think one of the problems with Casino Royale, and I mean Quantum Assault, which has Casino Royale in it, is that it's very there's very little variety. So even though it it kind of fits that Daniel Craig kind of style, I mean there's not really a lot that you can do that's that's varied. You just kind of shoot things for a while, and that gets kind of boring pretty quickly. And I thought they really missed. And again, we're going back to that twine for PS1. Like, they had the gambling level in that one. I thought they really missed an opportunity where you're in Casino Royale. Why, I mean, couldn't we have played the game of poker that they play in the movie? Wouldn't that have been fun in some level? I mean, where all of a sudden you just play poker against the Shifa, right? And I think that would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, here, unlike the world is not enough, gambling is actually integral to the plot. Yeah, Uh you don't do it. No, and it would have been, I mean, and that's, again, 
that part bothers me, but even in the whole game in general, all the cool stuff happens off screen or during cutscenes. Like, you don't actually get to play a lot of the fun stuff. Yeah, it felt pretty linear and repetitive. And not that- the game had multiplayer, and not, the PS2 didn't, I don't think, but, like, the Xbox version had multiplayer online, but no box. So, again, it was kind of, you kind of got left out. I mean, I've seen videos of it, and it looks okay, but I feel like there's something I missed from it. Mm, I feel like I got everything that they had to offer out of the PS2 version, which was strictly single player. Yeah, and that's that's 100% right. And then uh, the next game that came out after that went away from the third person, so kind of going back to that everything and nothing style was Bloodstone, which you haven't played, right? No, I haven't played Bloodstone. And again, I mean, you might like it. It's it's a pretty it's a decent enough game. It's a simple diversion for a couple hours. It's like five. It's a short game, so it's only like five hours. You can whip through it, but that's kind of the point. It's so short that it's I can't imagine anyone buying it. I mean, there's no reason to go back and play it again. There's no, like, you can't get a better score. There's certainly no multiplayer offline unless you have online you can play it online. There's really no reason to go back and play it again on any higher difficulties or any challenge yourself in any meaningful way. It's just a pretty boring, bland game. Uh, a criticism I've made of the, at least the most recent Bond film is that if you changed all the names, just kept everything else the same, nobody would say, man... This seems too much like James Bond. Yeah, no, you can't. Bloodstone's kind of the same way. It's just like a, an action game, and there's no real reason why it's James Bond. And the story's so confusing. I mean, I really, I can't even remember what it's about. I don't really know. I know that, I know Josh Stone is in it. That's what I remember. You know, there's some good things. I mean, it's a decent enough game, like I said, so there's some fun driving missions, and, and some of it's okay. Um, there's a great video online that someone made fun of it, like it's like, on YouTube, there's a video of, um, it's called 007 Throat Puncher. <laughs> throat Puncher. And um, basically, like, he has takedowns in the game, kind of like from Rush With Love, so it's not hand-to-hand, it's like with a gun or something. And so he has this thing where he'll push somebody's gun away and just punch somebody in the throat. And you only have, like, four or five takedowns in the game, so he does it a lot, especially if they're standing. So you end up punching a lot of throats. And that, like, trailer that somebody made is hilarious because it just shows him punching people in the throat. And you do that so much in the game, it gets kind of annoying. But that's kind of, the game, again, it's, it's real repetitive and it's just not that interesting. I, I don't think you should rent it. Or, I mean, you might be able to rent it if you like James Bond, but for everyone else, it's just kind of a boring game. And that's so, why. So we go to GoldenEye 007, the remake. For Wii, it came out for Wii first, and then there was... Um, the GoldenEye Reloaded for Xbox and PS3, which came out with better graphics because the Wii has it's less than the Xbox's PS3. Um, what did you think about that one? Um, well, quite honestly, it's like taking something you know beloved from your childhood and then replacing it with a bastard version of it. Really, um, at all? They they tried to change it up to make it fresh, and it just seemed oh didn't seem right. I think, I think when you have, um, again, you try to remake something like that that so many people love and have attachments to, you're going to run into problems immediately because when you deal with nostalgia, you're dealing with an idealized past. So, and when people idealize their past, they get very deep about it. I mean, not deep as in philosophical, but I mean, they, they get very specific about what it is and, and very specific things trigger their memories. So, if the game isn't exactly like the GoldenEye that they know, they'll notice it immediately. Uh, and it, and it won't be like GoldenEye they know. 
I, actually, kind of at first it was okay, like that first level where you're on the dam, and it's oh. identical. At first, yep. like, even the same camera movement and stuff, like, I was like, okay, I'm with this, and then as it went on, I kind of stopped, stopped going with it. Pretty distracting when I'm not really thinking about what I'm doing, I'm just thinking of, man, this doesn't seem as good as what I remember. Right. And the stuff that they changed about this story, I mean... It was a minor change, well, somewhat minor, but yeah. it made it such that it didn't make sense, really. Like, for instance, in in the movie where Bond is trying to keep tabs on that helicopter that's, like, impervious to EMP, Yeah. in the game, he finds out that oh, they're going to steal it. He knows they're going to steal it, and he tells the people who are in possession of it, oh, we got to keep this helicopter from getting stolen. And yet this, you know, this little terrorist cell called the Yanis Group is able to come in and steal it with a million guys. Right. And stuff like that just makes it seem so implausible, I guess. Yeah. As a story. They did do a few other things that I thought were pretty odd, like um, they killed Zukovsky off very quickly. And he got shot by, I think by Zenya, right? Um, right. At his nightclub. You know, and, uh, yeah, it was just stuff like that. I mean, I mean, I guess it could work. I think I kind of threw that in there as a surprise just for the sake of a surprise so that it wasn't completely the same story that you've already heard. But the thing about stories like that, like Goldeneye and stuff that you've already heard, like, you like them because they're familiar, because they're the same, and they won't change. So when you start tinkering with the elements a little bit, it, it didn't, I didn't like it. I, I, I'm sure other people didn't either. No, I didn't. I mean, but even, you know, moving beyond the changes in the story... It was not the same game at all. No, it wasn't. It was, like, Call of Duty starring James Bond. Yes, yes it was. Still, I mean, maybe that's even being too generous, because Call of Duty often has those really cinematic and cool things that happen in the single-player mode. I can't really remember... Stuff like that happening in, in GoldenEye Reloaded. No, I don't either. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of cool things about it, but overall, it wasn't. I don't think it was a very good game. It, again, if, if, like you said, it feels like Call of Duty. You know, you don't. Nothing about it really seems like James Bond. And again, to me, it just seems like something else entirely. And there's, a, there's no multiplayer, again, unless you play online. So there's no bots, so unless you play online, you can't really play the multiplayer. And I've played the multiplayer before. Like, it has split screen, which is okay. And it's just not that it's not that interesting. There's not that many options, you know, and characters. And le- the levels aren't really cool. You have the facility level, and it's nothing like the one in, in the original game. No, I'm just bad, but. imagining how cool it would have been to... I know it's not very creative. I don't know if it would have been good to do it, but just to go through I mean, something superbly similar to what you saw on the N64, where you're crawling through a ventilation shaft and you drop in on some guy on the toilet. I mean, it would have been something a lot cooler than... Yes, and I think a lot of people would have liked that more. I think that's what people wanted from this game. I I don't think the game... I mean, the game got pretty decent reviews, I think, and I think people are okay with it, but I think it would have been much better if it would have been, for the most part, the exact same game you got on the N64. So that way you have your Xbox, you don't have to break out your N64, or even if you don't have a copy of it, the game or whatever. Um, which aren't, which, it's not that uncommon to find Goldeneye, but that way you don't have to fiddle with the with the cartridges and stuff like that. Again, you could just have it on your Xbox. It'd be 
the same game, but I imagine with better graphics. And maybe voice, I mean, they could probably do voiceovers and stuff like that, too. Stuff that they can do so they won't change the core game, but just make it better. And again, with that theme of turning away from Bond's roots, I'd say, I felt so funny that there were absolutely no gadgets in the game. You had a smartphone do everything for you. Yeah. James Bond doesn't carry a smartphone with all these apps that just, you know, do anything <laughs> he wants. It's right. I kind of wonder what Q-Labs is doing. They must be downsized because they don't do anything anymore. Huh. Just put it on your smartphone. Even the cars. Like, even when you race, like, in Bloodstone, you have a car and you do some driving missions. You don't have any guns on them or any oil slicks or whatever. There's just nothing. It's just a car. It's a real fast car. Which is more Thank realistic, you. but, I mean, James Bond isn't real. I don't think James Bond is very fun, realistic. Close to no. fantasy, right? I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah, all he had... Well, I'm, all I can remember is uh, Aston Martin DBX in the last two movies. Right. His only gadget was a defibrillator. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. And so, like, now that that game, we've played those games, and then we've, we've heard the announcements about the new game, 007 Legends. What do you think about that game and the basic idea? The basic idea being that it's five classic James Bond movies and Skyfall, all in the same game, so you go back and you play these old movies. What do you think of that? You know, I really like it as long as it's done correctly. I don't want, like, a reloaded version of all these movies that, you know, are pretty good. Yeah, and you know what? I think I have a fear that that's probably what it's going to be. Yeah. At least I mean, we've, we've seen the trailer. The trailer's on the, on the, on the blog for um, the Moonraker level, or series of levels from Moonraker on the game and it that seems to me what it's going to be because I've seen clip, you know it's a pretty quick trailer and there's a lot of quick cuts but if you see it there's a lot of times where you see a, a smartphone come out and it'll like ignite a bomb or whatever that he must have set up and so it seems like very similar to Goldeneye in that respect so I imagine Daniel Craig's probably going to play all the roles again you know yeah. not going to be set in the period that those movies were in, which I think is going to take away from the fun. Like we talked about from Russia with Love, that's one of the things I loved about it. It was, it was so 1960s that it felt completely different. Yeah, well, I guess the nostalgia problem won't be as bad since it's not based on the game. I mean, it's not based on a game from the past, but just the movie, so okay. maybe that won't be as big of a problem. Yeah, that's true. I think with the I mean with the movies that they're gonna pick, it's gonna it's gonna be different depending on what they choose. And I I hope they pick some good ones. I, I mean we've seen Moonraker. I think Moonraker might be okay. Moonraker is not one of my favorites, but what what the what other movies do you think? What movies would you like to see on that? Well, I remember anticipating. I know we thought some level in Nightfire was going to have Fort Knox in it, which didn't end up happening. Right. It's just. When I'm thinking of the older Bond movies that I love, I don't know how you're going to turn it into first-person or third-person shooter, really. I mean, Dr. No, I mean, I know we've talked about that being a possibility, but there's not a whole lot of shooting in Dr. No, really. No, I I, I would like, I mean, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that it's pretty convinced it'll be there, because, again, it's the 50th anniversary of that movie coming out. It came out in 62, you know, so I think, and that's going to be, from what I've read, going to be a big part of the marketing for... Skyfall, you know, they'll say the 50th anniversary of Bond movies, right? And then, you know, Diana, or Dr. No was the first one, so I think it'll be in nice I think it'll probably wind up having, you know, the part where he gets on that island, you know, and is in a Dr. No's little base or whatever. 
and Dr. No like clothes him and feeds him and you know what I mean like they live in that little apartment I think it'll probably be it'll be that but it'll be more of a shooter type of situation because in that one he doesn't have a gun right he just kind of sneaks around or whatever but it'll be in some way I think it'll be that type of environment that you'll be and and, and I don't know I mean obviously GoldenEye is not going to be one of the games or one of the, one of the movies because I think and I hope not because I think that's been beaten to death already I would like to see there would probably be another Roger Moore movie in there somewhere. I would think it would be really cool having some kind of boss fight with Scaramanga. Yeah, that would be, yeah. I think, yeah, now with the Golden Gun, would be it would be pretty serious. I don't think anything from Pierce Brosnan is going to make it. Maybe not. I mean, I feel like it's too recent. It's too recent. I think the one that probably could work the best would probably be Tomorrow Never Dies, because it's been so long, and that game really wasn't that good. But they could probably pull something out of that. If they want to, but I think you'll probably see maybe another Connery one, maybe Thunderball or something like that. I don't know if they do like a big underwater battle, but see, and that's that's again going back to that stuff we talked about variety and stuff like that. I think if they did something like that, I would appreciate it. But that's not all Call of Duty first-person shooter type stuff. That you get something different. I would like to see, and I mentioned this before, but I would like to see instead of from Goldfinger instead of being um, like, you know, playing the Fort Knox part of, of, the, of the movie again, I would like to do the, the golfing. You know, yeah. when, when he fights golfing, or when he goes to that club and, and has that that very high-stakes game of golf with Goldfinger for the, for his gold piece, I think that was really cool, and I think they could, they could and it, in the movie, it's really not a very, it's not action, it's a game of golf, right? So there's not a lot of explosions or anything. Um, but it's still very, it's still very effective, like, piece of drama, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it works really well, and it's very exciting, and it's fun to watch. It's just not very visceral, like most games are. But I'd like to see stuff like that be part of the game. I don't think it will, but I think it would be cool if they were. think Timothy Dalton would make it in there? I think it'd be kind of cool. I mean, I think it might. I mean, those movies have kind of been, they're not that great or anything, but you could probably easily redo those for for for, uh, for Daniel Craig. I think next to Daniel Craig, he's probably the most serious Bond that's they ever had. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a ton of humor in his movies like this, and there's not in Daniel Craig's either, so I think it'd be pretty easy to have Daniel Craig step into that role and do something from one of those movies. But, I mean, again, that's not a real famous... You're going to have to probably try to hit the highlights from James Bond, so I'm sure Goldfinger will be there. You know, we got Moonraker, which is one of the bigger, more successful Bond movies. Maybe even Die Another Day might make an appearance. I don't know. That would be interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, if we go back and think about all these James Bond games that we talked about, which do you think, which is your favorite and which is your least favorite, and why? Well, of course, got to pick Everything or Nothing as one of my favorites. I haven't fared as well in terms of getting all the Platinums, because they are actually really difficult. Um, as secondly, I'd like to, if I can pick a second, would definitely be Twine, I think. My least favorite? Yeah. Uh, Mm. Oh, that I played would probably have been. Mm, I almost. Well, I want to say Goldeneye Reloaded because it was really left a bad taste in my mouth. I was very just negative about it. So I want to put that in there because it could have been so much better. It was an opportunity squandered, yeah. really. I think my favorite. I mean, I definitely have to go with Everything and Nothing again. I think my le- my second favorite, if I could pick one, would be Nightfire, and then but almost tied, maybe tied with Point. Nightfire and Point to me are like pretty much put together. Um, 
My least favorite is definitely Goldeneye Rogue Agent. But I agree with you. I think Goldeneye um, Reloaded was probably the next one that I really did not... Again, I'm so sick of the word gold and Goldeneye. And I don't ever want to see it again. You know, <laughs> as much as I like Goldeneye, it's like, let it, let's let it be, you know. Um, so, that's it for this podcast. Again, um, this is the second one. We'll have another one very soon. Uh, again, you can follow us. Our blog is at Code Rednet. That's red with two Ds at blogspot.com. Our podcast now has a different homepage. It's uh, CRN Podcast at podbean.com or dot podbean.com and you can subscribe to it there hopefully soon we'll be on the iTunes the iTunes store I sent the application into them a couple days ago so you can subscribe to us on through iTunes but it's not quite on the iTunes store yet but it should be very soon and again we have Twitter at Code Rednet and Facebook.com slash Code Rednet you can follow us from any one of those and that's it yeah thanks for listening